I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Genesis chapters 35 through 37. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. In chapter 35, Jacob rededicates his life and he gets a name change. Verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves, and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands, and the earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree, which was by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel under the terebinth tree. So the name of it was called Alan Bakuth. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob any more, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac I give to you, and to your descendants after you I give this land. Then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him, So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him, Bethel. We see in this passage that unloading false gods and idol worship from Jacob's household had apparently been a challenge. You'll recall that Rachel had taken her dad's idols upon departure from Haran. It would appear that she wasn't the only one with conflicts of worship practices in the family. When God speaks once again to Jacob, it's time for all of that to go. Jacob collects the idols and buries them near Shechem, and it's moving time again. Why move? Well, Levi and Simeon had just wiped out the city of Shechem in Genesis chapter 34, and they collected everything of value, including the women and children. Jacob had expressed concern after the incident that from now on the other surrounding towns may jump to wild conclusions that Jacob and his clan were not such good neighbors. As a matter of fact, verse 5 indicates that the neighbors were quite fearful of Jacob's family. So Jacob heads back to Bethel, about 20 miles south of Shechem. Upon arrival in Bethel, God renews all the seed promises given to Abraham and Isaac. Jacob is told that all of those promises will now be fulfilled through 
his descendants. Now, if you want to know more about that, go to the topic section and look at the article entitled The Abrahamic Covenant. Or you can click here if you look into the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today. Oh, and one more thing. God changes Jacob's name to Israel. I doubt that the name change fooled his new neighbors. We do see in Genesis chapter 37, verse 12, which we'll look at in a few moments, that Jacob maintained his land in Shechem for the purpose of grazing his livestock. So God changes Jacob's name to Israel in verse 10. Hey, I thought we already went through that back in Genesis chapter 32, 28. Well, that's true. It was back some 10 years ago or so on the occasion of Jacob coming home from Haran after he had the wrestling bout with God. After that incident, it appears that Jacob is still mostly referred to as Jacob. However, after the declaration of the name change in this chapter, we see that the name Israel appears with significant frequency. We see the naming of Bethel for the second time also here, the first being in Genesis chapter 28, verse 19, and the second being here in verse 15. While we see reference to Bethel in Genesis 12:8 and 13:3 apparently was actually called Luz by the locals until Jacob renames it. And then we see in verses 16 to 29 of chapter 35 that Isaac and Rachel die. Verse 16, Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said to her, do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. And it happened when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine. And Israel heard about it. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. The sons of Leah were Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's maidservant, were Dan and Naphtali. And the sons of Zilpah, Leah's maidservant, were Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padan Aram. Then Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamer, or Kerjoth Arba, that is, Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had dwelt. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. So Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, being old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Well, in this passage, Rachel dies while bearing her last son, Benjamin. Actually, she names him Benoni, which means son of my pain, an appropriate name for the child whose birth results in her death. By the way, in Hebrew, the prefix Ben means son. I suppose Jacob's a little hesitant to let his son grow up with such a tag. Jacob changes his name to Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Oh, well, that's better. Then we have Reuben, son of Leah, taking advantage of Rachel's handmaid, who was Jacob's concubine, Bilhah, after Rachel's death. As a matter of fact, Jacob never forgets Reuben's act, mentions it all the way down on his deathbed in Genesis chapter 49, verses 3 and 4, when he's passing out blessings. 
Now it's down to Hebron where Jacob's father Isaac finally passes away after 180 years. You'll recall that Isaac apparently thought he was dying 43 years ago from this point, back in Genesis chapter 27. So Jacob and Esau bury their father. We get a recap of the sons of Jacob again in verses 23 to 26, and the listings there on the written notes of BibleTrack.org. In chapter 36, Esau moves away from the family farm, verse 1. Now this is the genealogy of Esau, who is Edom. Esau took his wives from the daughters of Canaan, Adah, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, Ahalabamah, the daughter of Anah, the daughter of Zibion, the Hivite, and Basamoth, Ishmael's daughter, sister of Nebajoth. Now Adah bore Eliphaz to Esau, and Basamoth bore Ruol. And Ahalabamah bore Jeush, Jaalam, and Korah. These were the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. Then Esau took his wives, his sons, his daughters, and all the persons of his household, his cattle, and all his animals, and all his goods which he had gained in the land of Canaan, and went to a country away from the presence of his brother Jacob. For their possessions were too great for them to dwell together, and the land where they were strangers could not support them because of their livestock. So Esau dwelt in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. And this is the genealogy of Esau, the father of the Edomites in Mount Seir. These were the names of Esau's sons, Eliphaz, the son of Adah, the wife of Esau, and Reuel, the son of Basemoth, the wife of Esau. And the sons of Eliphaz were Teman, Omar, Zepho, Gadam, and Kenaz. Now Timnah was the concubine of Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bore Amalek to Eliphaz. These were the sons of Adah, Esau's wife. These were the sons of Reuel, Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, and Mizah. These were the sons of Basamoth, Esau's wife. These were the sons of Ahalabamah, Esau's wife, the daughter of Anah, the daughter of Zebion. And she bore to Esau, Jeush, Jaalam, and Korah. These were the chiefs of the sons of Esau, the sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn son of Esau, were chief Teman, chief Omar, chief Zepho, chief Kenaz, chief Korah, chief Gadam, and chief Amalak. These were the chiefs of Eliphaz in the land of Edom. These were the sons of Adah. These were the sons of Reuel, Esau's son, chief Nahath, chief Zerah, chief Shammah, and chief Mizah. These were the chiefs of Reuel in the land of Edom. These were the sons of Basemoth, Esau's wife. And these were the sons of Ahalabamah, Esau's wife, chief Jeush, chief Jaalam, and chief Korah. These were the chiefs who descended from Ahalabamah, Esau's wife, the daughter of Anah. These were the sons of Esau, who is Edom, and these were their chiefs. These were the sons of Seir, the Horite, who inhabited the land, Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Anah, Dishon, Ezer, and Dishon. These were the chiefs of the Horites, the sons of Seir, in the land of Edom. And the sons of Lotan were Horai and Hemim. Lotan's sister was Timnah. These were the sons of Shobal, Alvan, Manahath, Ebal, Shepho, and Onam. These were the sons of Zibion, both Asia and Anam, 
This was the Anah who found the water in the wilderness as he pastured the donkeys of his father Zibion. These were the children of Anah, Dishon, and Ahalabama, the daughter of Anah. These were the sons of Dishon, Hemdan, Eshban, Ithron, and Kiron. These were the sons of Ezer, Bilhan, Zeavon, and Achan. These were the sons of Dishon, Uz, and Aaron. These were the chiefs of the Horites, Chief Lotan, Chief Shobal, Chief Zibion, Chief Anah, Chief Dishon, Chief Ezer, and Chief Dishon. These were the chiefs of the Horites according to their chiefs in the land of Seir. Now these were the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the children of Israel. Bela, the son of Beor, reigned in Edom, and the name of his city was Denhaba. And when Bela died, Jobab, the son of Zerah of Basra, reigned in his place. When Jobab died, Husham of the land of the Temanites reigned in his place. And when Husham died, Hadad, the son of Bedad, who attacked Midian in the field of Moab, reigned in his place, and the name of his city was Avath. When Hadad died, Samla of Masrika reigned in his place. And when Samla died, Saul of Rehoboth by the river reigned in his place. When Saul died, Baal-Hanan, the son of Achbor, reigned in his place. And when Baal-Hanan, the son of Achbor, died, Hadar reigned in his place, and the name of his city was Pau. His wife's name was Mehedabal, the daughter of Matred, the daughter of Mizahab. And these were the names of the chiefs of Esau, according to their families and their places, by their names, Chief Timnah, Chief Alva, Chief Jetheth, Chief Ahalabama, Chief Elam, Chief Pinon, Chief Kenaz, Chief Timon, Chief Mibzar, Chief Magdael, and Chief Iram. These were the chiefs of Edom, according to their dwelling places in the land of their possession. Esau was the father of the Edomites. Now, you got to love a list like that. Well, Isaac's passed away, and the family farm had been given to Jacob by Isaac 43 years earlier. Not a big deal for Esau, though. He's rich. As a matter of fact, he's so rich with cattle, there's not enough room to graze his cattle and Jacob's cattle in the same region. So Esau moves east to what would become known as Edom. Esau is the father, by the way, of the Edomites. The remainder of this chapter lists Esau's descendants. Now take note of verses 8 and 20 compared to Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 12. Deuteronomy 2.12 says, The Horites formerly dwelt in Seir, but the descendants of Esau dispossessed them and destroyed them from before them, and dwelt in their place just as Israel did to the land of their possession which the Lord gave them. So it would appear that Esau drove out the previous inhabitants of the land that he occupied in Edom. Later on, however, the Edomites would become a great nuisance to Israel. In Numbers chapter 20, verses 14 to 21, the Edomites deny Israel passage through their land on their way to Canaan. Israel's relationship with the Edomites, the folks that were Esau's descendants, well, that relationship was always problematic. As a matter of fact, the entire book of Obadiah is a prophecy against the Edomites. Now, there are a lot of conflicts with the Edomites. Have them listed there with Saul, Solomon, Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, Ahaz, all of these kings of Israel and Judah later on had conflicts with the Edomites. And later on, all these prophets 
prophesied concerning Edom, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Amos, Obadiah, Malachi. So, as you can see, the goodwill between Israel and Esau's descendants, Edom, well, eventually soured. Okay, time to begin a new storyline, that of Joseph. Joseph says, I have a dream. Verse 1. Now, Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream, and told it to his brothers, and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Well, to fully appreciate Joseph's position in the family, you got to recall that Rachel was Jacob's favorite wife in the first place, and she only had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. At this point, Joseph is 17, in verse 2 we see that, so Benjamin is still a child at home. Now, this passage tells us that Joseph is Jacob's favorite son, there in verse 3. And he has the new clothes, the coat or the tunic of many colors, to prove it. What's more, verse 2 tells us that he was a tattletale on the other brothers. Of course, his brothers, you know, they don't like him, but it gets worse than that. Joseph has dreams. That's right, dreams. And they're not your ordinary dreams, either. He interprets his own dreams before his father and brothers as predictions that he'll be served by all his brothers, and he's only 17 years old. Jacob even rebukes Joseph for telling his dreams. It just causes deeper resentment from his other brothers. As a matter of fact, verse 4 says, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. And after he told them his I'm going to be somebody dream in verse 5, it says they hated him even more. Joseph obviously lacked good social skills. Jacob attempts to head off the controversy when he speaks to Joseph in verse 10. And he says this, What is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? The resentment of his brothers toward Joseph, well, it just continued to grow. So now we begin reading in verse 12. How much did Joseph's brothers really hate him? Verse 12, Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. Then he said to him, 
Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks, and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron, and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him, and there he was, wandering in the field, and the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, They have departed from here, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass, when Joseph had come to his brothers, that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. They sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh, on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit, and he tore his clothes. And he returned to his brothers and said, The lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? So they took Joseph's tunic, killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted, and he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. All right, first for the good news. Joseph found his brothers. Now the bad news. Joseph found his brothers. It was a 20-mile trip from Hebron to Shechem where they were supposed to be. Then it was another 15 miles over to Dothan, which is northeast of Shechem. That's where he found them. They're not happy to see him in his colorful new set of clothing. All but two of the brothers, just they just want to kill him. Reuben and Judah talk them out of it. They strip off his robe and drop him into a pit instead, presumably to die. However, that's apparently not Reuben's plan, according to verse 22. He goes back to free him as he had planned when he's persuaded by his brothers to put him into the pit. But Joseph's not there. Judah had talked his brothers into selling Joseph as a slave to the Midianite traders. Maybe Reuben just wanted to teach Joseph a lesson on humility. Judah didn't want to have blood on his hands. The other brothers were just plain old ruthless people. 
when Reuben returns to the brothers in a panic, I don't see any indication that they ever told Reuben what had actually happened to Joseph. As a matter of fact, later in Genesis 42:22, Reuben seems to indicate that he does think that Joseph indeed is dead. Nevertheless, Reuben does, however, participate in the cover-up. Well, they took Joseph's robe, put goat's blood on it, and took it back to Jacob as evidence that Joseph was dead. Now, this would have been a palatable story since a 35-mile trip alone through territories where Jacob's family was not particularly liked. Well, that could be perceived as a treacherous journey. Joseph ends up as a servant in Potiphar's house in Egypt. So, who actually saved Joseph's life here? Reuben's noble plan to save Joseph, well, that plan failed. Now, Judah's intentions in verses 26 and 27 don't seem honorable, not at all. But you really must admit that his initiative did save the life of Joseph from a certain death. Now, here's a brain teaser. If the brothers had not sold Joseph into slavery, he wouldn't have been in charge of Pharaoh's food for money program in Egypt later on when the brothers later show up to buy food. As a result, they would not have left Canaan, the land of promise, and moved to Egypt under Joseph's protection. Furthermore, they would not have fallen into captivity under Egyptian rule. So you might say that the evil deed of the brothers against Joseph, that that evil deed resulted in the 430 years stay for their descendants. Now, it should be remembered, however, that God, well, he'd already told Abraham that all this would happen back in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13. Here's what he said back then. Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. Well, of course, this was all in God's plan. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walton.